and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Donnelly, and today, uh, let's just take the energy down a little bit. Let's just get <laughs> calm. Let's just get relaxed. Let's get casual. Oh, let's casual, get casual right. everybody. This is going to be the all ASMR version of Game Brain, where we talk with the casual gamer, Jake. Jake, how are you? Hi, Tom. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty calm now. I got to tell you, I think you have a career. Maybe. <laughs> I'm oh. feeling really, really relaxed all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Just breathe deeply in. Oh, in through the nose, out and through the mouth. Out hey, everybody the out there in the world. Count of Good three. to be joining you again with my fave, Tom. And if you're listening to this while driving in your car, please pull over. We had eight, <laughs> we had eight accidents with the last episode. Uh, this is round oh, ten, turn five, and Jake and I are going to be talking about a, a real favorite of ours, actually, the 2019 release, "The Crew" by Thomas Singh. Oh, so good, Thomas so Singh. Good, guys. Thomas Singh. It doesn't sound like the name of a designer. It sounds like my choir teacher yelling at me, Thomas Singh. <laughs> and yet, he is a genius. He is a genius. That's what I think, anyway. right? Right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It is rare that I bring the casual gamer to the gaming table, to the virtual gaming table in this case, and bring out a game that he is already familiar with, but he was already familiar with the crew having played it previously. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. What? I think we just rolled the dice and hit a natural 20 crit on that because it was just a lucky <laughs> a lucky thing that I was able to play this with Maddie uh, and our and it was so amazing that I literally was, you know how you say what's on your brain? Well, that week, that was on my brain. How about I couldn't that? stop thinking about that game. And when you mentioned... Oop, you cut out there, Jake. Um, uh, yeah, but when, when I mentioned it, yeah, I, I picked the crew to review because I knew it would be right up Jake's alley. No question about it. And then we're also going to be talking about party games. The crew is almost a pseudo party game. And so we're going to talk about uh, our favorite old party games, our favorite new party games, and Jake and I are each going to give our top five. But let us get right on and talk about this week's game night. Jake, you played the crew. What else did you play? Did you play some games with your son? What, what, what have you been doing these week? As a matter of fact, I did. Uh, it, it's new to me, but there's a classic called The Story of the Three Coins. Mm -hmm. And at least it's classic for, for kids, I'd say. And he, <laughs> he seems to really love it. It's, um, it's a really smart, very simple mechanic of just a mix-up of cards that help you tell a story. And he's all about the story these days. So that That's was great. a uh, Christmas present, holiday present, and we've been rocking it pretty hard. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, you know, we, we the kids are now back in school, but they weren't until quite recently, so we played some Wavelength. We've been playing the heck out of Crokinole. My wife brings out the board every day for her tournament, so I got to play a tournament of Crokinole with her. Absolutely loves it. Um, because we reviewed Brass last time, I, I sort of had a hankering and played a little Brass Lancaster. Uh, Fresh Fish, the uh -huh. brand new Hollertau, the new Uwe Rosenberg, which we'll be talking about probably on the very next episode. And, of course, played The Crew. 
Um, yeah, having played both versions of Brass kind of back-to-back, I really do think that they're both exceptional games. I think that the new one, Brass That's Birmingham, right. is is fantastic, but I still think Brass Lancaster, if I had to, you know, if I had to give one a 10 and one a 9.9, I would give the 10 to, (laughs) I would give the 10 to, really, no, I'm 100% serious. These are at the very top of my pantheon. They they could not be. That's amazing. Yeah, Brass has been, has been a 10 since I first played it, basically. I think my very first ranking of it was I gave it a nine because I, I don't really give tens the first time I play. I have to see if they if they have uh, st- staying power. But within a, the first mm-hmm. month of playing it, it's been a ten. And every time, and like every year, I go through my board game geek rankings and see if I need to adjust things. Right, see how I'm I'm, I'm feeling sure. about things now. It's never left a ten. It's always been a flat out. 10 one of the classics That's of the awesome. industry yeah it's it's amazing i don't think i'm not sure you've ever played brass Do you i think? don't think i have i've uh, we've i've talked about it i've yeah. been talked to about it of course and <laughs> on the pod but like um no I, I think i haven't gotten a chance yet yeah yeah it's 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 kind of it's kind of amazing and i find that my wife so here's the thing about uh, uh, my wife Moira. You heard her on on one episode. Um, sure. You were on the episode, uh, and she is one of these weird people that is like really, really competitive. If you if you you know if the if the stars are aligned just right, like it's got to be a certain circumstance, right. right? She does not. She does not like being competitive, like in in a lot of things and in life in in general, right? She wants that that to be sort of a low competitive environment, but the right game at the right time, and she is just incredibly competitive. She gets she's you know she it gets very very intense in these crocodile games. She is just all about you know, flicking multiple of my discs out of the way. And, and she's very, now she's not so much about the score. So it's not so much about the winning or losing, but each individual game taken as its own essence. She is very, very, you know, very, very uh, dedicated and all in and all in to, 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 you know, to, to really win the game. Um, probably even more with Tichu. Tichu, she yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a team, right? Because it's it's her sure. and me playing against another couple, and she is just man, the stuff coming out of her mouth sometimes when we play Tichu <laughs> is just amazing. She's she's like, That's oh, awesome. we're we're gonna destroy these people. I want them to cry. I want them to cry. I want them to. I want to damage their marriage in this game. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and, well, it's yeah. nice to pick your battles, you know. If you, if you can save it for the right time, and then like a laser focus destroy, I think that's amazing. Yeah, I guess so. And she, but she is def she definitely doesn't. I guess it's buy in. I guess it's the amount of buy in that she has. She doesn't have that buy in. You know, even for games like uh, Everdale, she likes Everdale. It's a good game. She she, yeah. she likes it. She respects yeah. it. Um, even uh, Agricola, she plays and she likes that game and, and knows it. She never quite gets to that buy-in level where she's feeling competitive about it, right? It's still it's still just an exercise for for her at that phase. But it's it's interesting to find what's going to push that button and turn that uh, and turn that competitive instinct on. Kind of cool. Sure. Shall we get to the news? We got a bunch of news this week. Let's do it. Let's do it. Good evening, Mr. Listen, Alpha South American. All the tips and purposes. See, let's go to press. 
news. First up in the game news, we got uh, not one but two pieces of 18xx news. First up, 1860 Railways on the Isle of Wight, a classic of the genre, is going to be coming to Kickstarter on January 26th. January 26th is going to have 1860. Um, 1860 first came out in 2004. It's a Mike Hutton design, and people that know 1860, Mike uh, uh, Mike Hutton probably does some of the very best of the 18xx. He's a fairly prolific 18xx designer, and uh, Isla White is interesting in two ways. First of all, uh, very small map. Very tight, very small map. This is a game for two to four players only. A lot of 18xx games can play up to six. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, it has this mechanism at the game end where there's a nationalization of the rail systems on the Isle of Wight. And the way it works is the worst performing the the railway is the first one that gets swallowed up by the uh, by the nationalization project. So basically, oh, I see. weaker companies are getting eliminated as we get to the end, and only the strong survive. Kind of got it. Yeah, it's it's a cool thing. It's it's a it's 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 a very interesting mechanism. Um, it's a it's a heavy duty eighteen XX game. This is not for this is not for beginners. This is something that right. Maybe not for the casual players out there. No, no. But but if there was a casual now, you've played eighteen XX, Jake. So you, I have. I've actually played. I think three different ones. Now. <laughs> this is what I'm. Saying. Don't ask me the names because I will not remember which years I played. That's okay. That's okay. But a, for a casual gamer, you are surprisingly versed in 18XX. Um, 18 Chesapeake is the other title that I have to talk about oh, today. 18 Chesapeake right. is the it's the Jake 18XX game. It is widely considered it's fairly new and widely considered to be the one of the best for new gamers, one of the best for lighter gamers. doesn't take too long, pretty easy to understand, and you can get right into it. Well, guess what? They now have an expansion. They have an 18 Chesapeake off the rails expansion for it. It costs 15 bucks. available at All Aboard Games. Right now you can order it. And uh, this expansion is kind of like a contraction, not an expansion. It What oh. it does is it takes trains out of the game as opposed to putting them in the game. And if you know anything about 18xx, the the trains are the clock of the game. Yeah. The fewer yeah, trains there that. are, the quicker you're moving up the trains and getting toward the end of the game, which is really interesting. And it also replaces the stock market with a different stock market that seems to be a lot faster, a lot more aggressive. This seems like this is going to be an 18 Chesapeake that is going to play faster. Uh, scores are going, you know, money is going to be flying off the rails and getting higher because it actually gives mm -hmm. you it's a weird thing where it says the game is going to take away trains and yet make the market pool the bank pool bigger so more money fewer trains sounds like this is going to be a real sort of wild ride i'm down i'd like to try that sometime yeah 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 you would if you haven't played 18 chesapeake my guess is that you've played three different games one of them has been that i know that i played uh, uh for 1846 with you yep um, that one for sure we played together and then i played one with maddie and then another one with the group one day when we split up into pairs gotcha. but that one i can't remember 
anyway, so that anyway. is a, that is available right now. 1860 is going to be on Kickstarter coming up end of this month, and 18 Chesapeake Off the Rails expansion, 15 bucks at All Aboard Games. Next up, we have a new. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a new, it's a brand new thing coming out in the Terraforming Mars universe. Terraforming Mars Ares expansion. That's A R E S. Um, and that is about all I can tell you about it. <laughs> it, has been, it has been announced, but it is not, the details are not really forthcoming. What we seem to understand from people that seem to know what they're talking about but aren't really saying much is that mm. this is not an expansion to Terraforming Mars. This will be a standalone game set within the Terraforming Mars universe. So to me, and that it says here, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Was, no, go uh, ahead. You said, well, it says it's only using cards. That's yes. interesting. It seems like it will be boardless. Huh. It'll be card-based. So if you think about Terraforming Mars, though, when you when you get right down to it, almost the entire game is playing cards, right? And only occasionally yeah. are is the effect of the cards to build something on the board, right? That's true, but I seem to remember really loving the way the board looked. Oh, like, I, I know it's I'm fantastic. always a sucker for the design, but I think it, I remember thinking that one was gorgeous. So to take that away is an interesting move. It is. It is. What if, just just as a what if, um, in the game, if you got rid of, in Terraforming Mars, the basic uh, projects, right? Basic projects are, without playing any cards, I can spend uh, 25 and build a city, right? Or I can mm -hmm. spend 18 and, and, and build a forest, right? Or so on and so forth, right? And I could do all that sort of stuff. If you had to use cards yeah. to build everything then the card itself could potentially be that object, right? So you play the card that allows you to build the uh, the, the domed city, right? Mm -hmm. without, mm -hmm. without a board, that card could then go on the – you could be building a map by playing those cards into the center of the table, potentially. Uh, well, listen, we don't know what – Do you it, think the cards might be the like the hexagons, the same as – I, I the, think the I think or uh, well no I think they'll be I think they'll still be card shaped but you can uh, right. there, there are there are many games that uh, there's a, a one of the earliest ones that did this well I'm not sure earliest but uh, there was a pirate game called Plunder where the cards mm. themselves became the uh, the the map of the Caribbean as you would uh, as you would lay things out which that's kind of cool yeah it is hey, maybe cool. it'll be amazing I mean I know just for me because I'm so drawn into like the look to strip that away definitely is a bit of a red flag. But then again, the game is awesome. Yeah, Maybe it'll be awesome without that. Uh, listen, uh, I love the idea that you're going to take the the essence of Terraforming Mars and you're going to make a slightly different game out of it. Uh, Terra, Mystica, yeah. Terra Mystica begot um, Gaia Project, right? And Gaia Project is absolutely amazing. Couldn't have existed if it was just an expansion. It needed to be. Well, also, isn't your jam kind of like just get to the heart of the idea? You don't need a, a, a like a skin at all, really. And if you, if you could reduce all games just down to their idea and a handful of cards, you would probably, right? Yeah, I, I, I yeah, we'll actually be talking about this with the sommelier today. But uh, yeah, I, I the older school games, like the games when I was coming into the hobby. Uh, the yeah. games of Reiner Knizia and uh, Wolfgang Kramer, stuff like that, they were elemental. They were super yeah. simple. They were all based around one mechanism, one idea. And yeah. they played so cleanly and so well and so wonderfully that way that 
you know, nowadays, listen, we have so many great games right now, but they are fluffy. They have a lot of extraneous parts, right? And sometimes I do like stripping that down, you know, with a sort of um, simmering that sauce and reducing it and and getting to the the the, mm-hmm. the meat of what it is that you've designed. And so maybe that this will be that. Uh, we do know that there was a Terraforming Mars dice game that they were developing, and this is not that, we've been told. So... We don't, have, don't have to worry about that. Trey is safe for the time being. <laughs> but Terraforming Mars, uh, Ares expansion, there will be more information forthcoming quite soon. Next up, cool. It's a Wonderful Kingdom. This is, uh, speaking of different games that are set within the same universe, there was a game that came out in 2019. Uh, Trey and I played it at the BGG Con called It's a Wonderful World. It's a Wonderful World felt very... Seven Wonders. It was sort of a Seven Wonders variant where you have a, a hand of cards and you're playing them to gain resources, and then sometimes you're using those resources to play a card into your tableau in front of you. Um, we were not that impressed by it. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was right. great. But there's some people that really, really love that game system. It's it's worked really well for people, and, and some of them prefer it to Seven Wonders. I, I don't personally. But there is a new implementation of this called It's a Wonderful Kingdom, and this is one or two-player only set in a low-fantasy universe, so... I am out, and Jake, you are in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the art looks pretty good. I mean, it's it's got, like, uh, the cover art is really all that you can see, but it seems to have a big, like, time era span. You, they got some guys building ships on top, and Knights Templar kind of vibe on the bottom. It could yeah, be cool. That's true. That's absolutely... I can't argue with that. Um, I, I will say that this game supposedly is played with uh, different modules, and each module offers a different mechanical variant in terms of the game. It sounds a little bit like Glenmore Chronicles, Glenmore 2 Chronicles, mm. uh, in which each variant of the game has, changes the rules slightly, which can be good. That can, that can be a good way to extend the lifespan of a game by by having it be a little bit different every time you play. So um, if you like It's a Wonderful World, It's a Wonderful Kingdom is definitely something you should look at. Um, You know, and and I'll be the first to say, while I didn't respond to It's a Wonderful World, some people I respect quite highly uh, quite like that game. So don't don't rule it out just because I didn't like it. Uh, I played it. Sure. I played it late in, in a very long convention. So you never know. That could always figure into things as well. Um, next up, this is more. This might be more of a Jake game here. Uh, Daniel Pechnik has designed a game for Roxley Games called Radlands. Radlands mm. is going to be a two-player um, card-playing, deck-building kind of game. Uh, it's going to be coming to Kickstarter on January twenty-sixth uh, from Roxley Games, and uh, let's see what we can tell you about it. Radlands is a competitive dueling card game about identifying fiercely powerful card synergies. Isn't every card game? Uh, mm. You're going to be the leader of a post-apocalyptic group of survivors in a tooth-and-nail fight to protect your three camps from a vicious rival tribe. And if all of your camps are destroyed, you lose the game. The main resource is water. Not not guzzoline, but water. Uh, and yep. you're going to spend uh, you know, people and events and use the uh, uh, abilities on your card to, to try and win the game. So, sounds very 
uh, typical, right? Other than the fact that it's post-apocalyptic. It sounds like a lot of these card games. There is sure. one difference, though. It seems that both players are going to be drawing from the same deck. Now, That's in, interesting. Yeah, because in a lot of these games, you know, you build your own deck and yeah. then you're drawing yeah, 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 from yeah. yours. This is people coming from a common deck, which makes it more like Dominion in terms of the way it's designed. So Dominion with a competitive uh, player versus player element uh, sounds pretty good. Sounds interesting. It's not... The art looks cool. Again, I I hate to go back to that. No, no, no. I'm going to be holding a handful of cards, and that's what I'm staring at. I I like this art. It's got a certain something to it. Yeah, there's a teaser on YouTube. Uh, Look for for Radlands from Roxley Games, and uh, very well produced uh, a teaser. You know... They, they they know what they're doing in terms of production. Sure, sure. Yeah, of course. It's gonna be cool. Well, I would definitely be down to try that one for sure. Yeah, I, I'm. For me, it's definitely a try before you buy. But that's because that's not my <laughs> yeah. not my particular. Well, you know how many games I owned. Genre. Like yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> once you get to the thousand game limit that, uh, that Jake's at, mm-hmm. you really gotta mm-hmm. really gotta. Watch I don't it. have any more space. That's the problem. I gotta buy a whole other house. That's just the way it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um. Next up is a game called The Initiative. Uh, the Initiative is going to be by Unexpected Games, and it is available for pre-order right now at unexpectedgames.com. The Initiative looks really quite interesting. It is a game by um, the designer of, well, he's a designer of many things, but let's say the thing he's most famous for designing, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the board game. Uh, that was my first board game, Tom. That was Maddie's first. That was the 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 day I met Maddie and you. That was the gateway for me. Was I came over and I taught you both. <laughs> I remember it well. I literally remember it very well. Do I remember <laughs> most of our game nights? No, it's all a blur of just laughing with my friends. But that I remember quite well. That was when I met you, and then uh, Maddie yep. Maddie a week later came over to 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 my game night for the first time. And That's it. And I was hooked. Everybody, it was as simple yeah, as yeah. That. a lot of people. We we brought a lot of people into the to the hobby from that because it is such a good game. Battles, it's it, so good. Battlestar really Galactica is. is amazing. Corey Kanetska, I always mispronounce his name. I apologize, Corey, uh, was the designer of that game, and he's the designer of the initiative. And this could be this this could be really interesting. Corey doesn't, you know, not uh, I'm not a fan of everything that he's designed, but he is always a very interesting designer. The initiative is set in 1994. Four teenagers find a mysterious game at a yard sale. Sounds a little Jumanji, right? Mm-hmm. And as they play it, they discover that it is strangely connected to their lives. What will they risk? to unravel the secrets of the initiative. All right, so here's... The artwork is so dope, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm just looking at it now, and like even the instructions look like an old-school comic book. It's really fresh. Uh, well, there it's actually not just the instructions. The comic book is part of the game. Each, oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, 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 yeah. Each... Um, it, it's a 48-page comic book, and oh. each time you play the game, you're going to be reading, you know, a page to two pages of the oh, comic book that is going to bring you into the story. I absolutely love this just immediately. Right? And then yeah, your characters 100%. in the story are going to play the board game. And if you're if you're clever and if you're paying attention, you can unlock decoding, puzzle solving, cracking logic problems mm-hmm. that will end up allowing you to to discover more things. Like there's all sorts of hidden stuff in every page of the comic book. 
yeah. in, in every bit of the game uh, so that you can un- so that you can unlock more. You never play the same uh, game a second time. And like failing, yeah. just failing simply means that you didn't learn any secrets, any new secrets in terms of the game. This uh, looks right up my alley. It looks like QAnon, the board game. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's harsh. But okay. <laughs> it is. You, you just lost this game like an entire swath. Like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, I, I, I wish we weren't living in a time where oh, a game no. about a, a about a vast conspiracy and looking for patterns where there might be none is is not a pro, is not problematic. But <laughs> taking a deep breath and calming down. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I think there's you know I think there's a lot of uh, you know Stranger Things. I think there's a well, lot of you know there's I, I it looks great. It it doesn't look QAnon. it doesn't look Q and on at all. It looks kind nope. of fun and a nope. little retro and and light. I'm and I'm dying to learn more about this game. So absolutely, uh, yeah. So keep keep your eye out for this one. That's a, it, it's kind of a really interesting uh, uh, situation here, and uh, I'm looking forward to finding out more about it. Cool. Uh, and that is all of the good news. And unfortunately, Oy. we're going to talk about some bad news now. Uh, first bit of bad news, Jake, you don't even know about this because it came across the transom within the last couple hours of this oh. recording. Um, oh, Efka uh, Bladokas from uh, No Pun Included, we love Efka, um, brought to our attention uh, a deleted post that was made by Daniel Tashini. Daniel Tashini is the designer, one of the designers of Zolkin, Teotihuacan, uh, Voyages of Marco Polo, some of our uh, uh, some of our very favorite games. He's one of that Italian gaming collective, and yeah. posted something that is. Uh, I don't I'm know. cringing already. I haven't even heard it yet. And yeah, I'm already, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. So the argument he was having online with somebody was about a uh, fantasy-themed game, and it seems mm-hmm. like we don't have the other part of it. But it seems like the other person was saying, "Why are the orcs black? Why are the orcs? You know what I mean? Why is why are those the bad guys?" Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. And uh, the Google translation, which is never perfect, so you're never sure you can be missing a lot of context and things like that. Um, oh, no. But he definitely is sort of going there and saying that, uh, gosh, I, I don't even want to get into what exactly he said, but it doesn't, it sounds It's of very, a derogatory nature, perhaps? He he talks about calling his, his darker complected friends the n-word no uh, yes on. yes appears so now listen maybe it's different in in italian i don't know i can't say that but it's not it's not good um he's oh, saying how he'll, ne- he'll never call people black because they're not black and uh he, it's some it's some sort of weird defense of uh, of dark and light meaning good and bad in in fantasy games and it comes off it comes off very very bad so uh what else can we say other than there there is a darkness in this world there is a darkness in people in this world and there's a reckoning that needs to happen and it needs to happen now uh, we we are we are 
aware of the problem and we are growing more and more aware with it every every day and you know for all for all the damage that that twitter and social media is doing it's also bringing to light you know the 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 darker aspects of our natures and i think that's i think that can be a good thing if the right things come out of that. So uh, I, I just hope everybody uh, takes a look into that situation. I know that for me personally, uh, that is going to impact me. That is going to impact my decisions in terms of... You know, that's interesting you say that because I, the thing that immediately comes to mind whenever someone who has affected the world in what I like to think of as a positive way creatively is mm-hmm. sort of, let's say ousted or that we learn that perhaps personally they're not the nicest person in the world or perhaps their thinking isn't as correct as we'd like it to be, I immediately think, how will the people who enjoy the the good things like the games or the art or the movies or the music, are, are we going to be able to separate out the product from the producer? Or are we damning his creation along with the creator? I, it's a whole discussion, but it's one that I can't quite find myself on either side of the line on. I go mm. back and forth between thinking, you know, do I ever get to enjoy Michael Jackson's music again? Or can I just have that as its own thing? Do you, in a simple sort of quick response, do you have do you have thoughts on that? I, uh, I got so many thoughts about it. Uh, listen, for me, I don't... I'm not going to stop playing uh, Zolkin. I'm not going to stop okay. playing Teotihuacan, right? Because okay. because I'm not uh, I'm not aiding and abetting anybody by doing that. I think those are still amazing games. I think Daniel Tashini is an amazing designer. Right. You could be an amazing designer and a horrible human being, right? You can be yeah. like some of the great people of history were horror stories in their personal life and in their views and in their values and stuff like that. And yeah. We do need to separate that out. But at the same time, going forward, do I want to do I want to buy a future design by a person whose views I find abhorrent? And yeah. at a certain point, am I supporting them in doing that? And is that cancel culture? I mean, by the definition most people throw around, yes, it is. But at the same point, am I supposed to be forced to to buy things from people that I don't like and don't want to be associated with? No. Yeah. Yeah, I think you I think you found the crux of it right there is can we enjoy what already exists? I don't see why not. But are we going to support moving forward someone that we can't really support moving forward? I I think that's well said, Tom. I I think I agree with you 100 percent on that. And let me just say, I will say this is really early. This is, uh, you know, there was a I had a question as to whether or not I should even bring this up because but it is proliferating very quickly. I'm not hearing this from one source. I've, I've seen several other sources that are talking about this already. So sure. I figured it was the right time to to talk about it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not going to close the door on anything or anyone if uh, if Danielle wants to uh, wants to argue his case or wants to uh, apologize. I'm certainly going to be open to the to the possibility of that. Um, but I will say that my my uh, my threshold for what can what constitutes a a significant uh, apology and a uh, uh, what what would you call it uh, penance like a sort of mm-hmm. you sort mm-hmm. of making thing you've made things worse now I'm going to make things better. Uh, I put pretty 
decent bar on that. Uh, you know, yeah, I try to as teach, you should. I try to teach my kids that all, all all the time. Like, what what is 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 that a real apology? Is that is is that acceptable? Yeah. Or are you just is, saying it exactly. because you think that's the thing to say? Exactly, exactly. You know, and you know, and and we do believe in my family in making things up. Right. You got to make yep. it up to this person. Right. It's not enough Absolutely. to simply say, I'm sorry, you hurt that person. You hurt that person in a real and significant way. And it's going to take more than just an apology to fix that. And we got to be, you know, restorative justice is, is Absolutely. what I believe in 100. Well, here's hoping that maybe it's not as bad as it sounds, though. It sounds pretty bad. And yes, let's see. Yes. Let's see. I like your idea of just keeping an open mind. Not, you know, yeah, yeah, closing uh, a book 100%. But it's hard to, it's hard when you hear something like that. You, you, how do you not respond with an instant disgust? I'm like, whoa, okay. We, yeah, yeah, oh, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. We have a, uh, you know, we, I've often thought of our hobby as a kinder, gentler place than a lot of the rest of the internet and a lot of other hobbies. When I go to Gen Con, the, uh, the the security people say it's their favorite convention of the year because people are genu- genuinely nicer than most other conventions. Yeah. They're not, you know, yep. they're not getting hammered. They're not, you know, there's not all the sexual harassment. There's not that there's none, but that they, mm-hmm. they find there's less sexual harassment. There's less fights. There's less trouble. There's less theft and stealing. There's there that the, the this hobby tends to be. Uh, people that are just better behaved, and I, I, like I said, I've heard that from the security people that you know their their jobs can be a real nightmare in uh, in a convention sense in a lot of cases. Sure. And I've always held on to that. Um, but you look at uh, instances like this, and it causes you to reevaluate and say, "Hey, look, I'm a uh, hetero white male saying that we have a really good hobby. Uh, it, it is not that experience for a, a lot of other people. And these, these viewpoints that we don't even hear about all the time are a reason that it's not. And so I don't say that about our hobby anymore. I, uh, I talk about our hobby as, uh, our hobby has a lot to grow and a lot to change and a lot yep. of things we need to do to be, the inclusive place we try to pretend that we are and are not yet. Absolutely. Just like the real world. Always Indeed. room to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the second second shot, here we go. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Phil Eklund story uh, continues. Um, so people should know, uh, I've talked about him before. Uh, Phil Eklund is the designer of games such as uh, the PAX system, basically, he was the godfather of the PAX games. Also, High Frontier, um, BIOS Origins, and the other BIOS games. Um, so, a fairly prolific designer on the heavier end of the spectrum. So, games that we would very much mm-hmm. like. Unfortunately, um, Phil also ha- holds some views that I personally find abhorrent and very, very difficult and he doesn't just hold these views. He puts them into essentially liner notes in these games. Um, and uh, it's, it's yeah, really... Yeah, we've, we've discussed this. I mean, even just on the episodes that we've done together, we've discussed this before. Yes. So as to the point that if you search for the name Phil Eklund on Google right now, 
the second result I get, I don't know if people get different, completely different results, but the second result on my Google search for Phil Eklund says, please enlighten me on Phil Eklund. I recently listened to the latest Game Brain podcast where host Tom Donnelly spoke about how great this game is or whatever, so on and so forth, but how bad Phil Eklund is. So the second, yeah. the second thing well, on Phil is us talking about Phil. Um, so the reason I bring this up today is that Andy Mesa is an employee at Ion Game Design, and um, it, that is a game design company that employs Phil Eklund as a designer. And he has uh, came out with a sort of a, a letter on why he disagrees with Phil and um, why he, why even though Ion Design is, Ion Games Design is going to continue to make Phil Eklund games, at least for the uh, the time being, that he is going to, well, I guess, the how would you put it? It's sort of find a way to uh, voice a different opinion than Phil's on the, uh, some of the some of the uh, uh, trickier things Phil has said, uh, and this comes from a uh, long COVID nineteen discussion with Phil, where Phil was and has been for a long time uh, stating flat out lies, flat out things that are absolutely not true, um, mm-hmm. creating pseudoscience about about the effectiveness of lockdowns using very misleading statistics and incorrect information. Mm -hmm. And Andy, God bless him, Andy has been fighting back and saying that is not true, that is not true, here's the actual data. Um, And it's just just awful. It's just awful. Oh, Phil, 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 Phil. Um, If you, and the problem is, is that these, these ideas and these notions, and there are a lot of them, it's not just about COVID, it's, uh, it it spans all sorts of things. He does games about history and he does games about science and he, his take on history and his take on science often is uh, controversial, often is very, very different than what you'd be hearing. And there are a lot of people that say uh, dead on wrong is what he yeah, is, is. That's uh, the word that comes to my mind, but I try so hard not to be uh, judgmental. I, sometimes you got to. Um, and the problem is, is that the wrongness of his viewpoint is not always just in the liner notes, but sometimes it makes it into the game itself. There is a, I mean, it's a really long read, I will tell you. There is a, a an essay from Bodwin College um, by Patrick Rail, R-A-E-L. He's a professor of history at uh, Bodoin College. And in 2019, he wrote a paper, 46 pages long, called Pax Expira- uh, Exasperation. Pax mm-hmm. Exasperation. And it is about the Pax game that Phil Eklund designed called Pax Emancipation, about the freeing of slaves. And... Uh, well, <laughs> I read yeah. it. I read the whole thing, and it's astonishing. If you want to to go deep into both the potential for games to do good and when they can go uh, horribly wrong, this this uh, essay is quite astonishing. Um, I'll just read an excerpt. The rush to, con- uh, to condemn colonialism ignores illiteracy, tribal slavery, and warlord anarchies that the colonies replaced. 
Slave conditions would have lasted centuries until indigenous literacy or enlightenment values were independently discovered. Whatever vices and abuses occurred under the name of Western imperialism, it was only it was the only torturous path to freedom. That's what Phil Eklund said. And he wrote it right into this game, and he said it before. He also called Abraham Lincoln a great dictator. So, uh, to do a game about slavery and to have that point of view that somehow you can claim that you know for a fact that slavery would have existed much, much longer if we didn't have Western slavery is... uh, Astonishing. It's I mean, it's, it's bonkers. It's it's cuckoo bananas, as my wife would say. I mean, what wh- what are we supposed to do with that except say like, okay, Phil, time to go sit in the yeah. corner. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Come on. So unlike our, you know, uh, unlike Daniel Tashini, who I don't know enough about the situation yet, I know plenty enough about Phil, and I know enough about a situation, and I personally am not going to be supporting him anymore by uh, uh, by by buying his games, uh, despite the fact wise. that his games could not be could not be more up my alley. But uh, yeah. that's that that that's having read this 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 whole thing and seeing how the assumptions that he makes from this point of view make it into every aspect of this game. In Pax yeah. Emancipation, if you want to free slaves, it starts in England. You have to do you have to do yeah. these things yep, in yep, yep. in England to uh, to to begin the process. And that's just wrong. That's just uh, that's just flat out wrong. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to hear it, and I'm sorry that it's a part of our hobby. Um, that's all we got. Sorry to end the news on such a bad note, but uh, it, it's time. It's time to bring things to light, and it's time yep. to call uh, to call people out when they really, really need calling out. Shall we get to something happier and get to games Absolutely. on the brain? Here we go. Games. Yes, please. Games on the brain. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains. Oh, baby. My apologies. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. Okay. So my last episode two weeks ago with Alfred, I made, I, I played a little joke on him by playing the the new Games of the Brain theme and then playing the old one uh, uh, for him. And I totally did not intend to play the old one now i pressed the wrong button so but there we go well if you want to play them both you know they're both great they are both great i love i love the new one i love the new one so uh anyway what's on your brain these days jake what's going on well let's see what i've been playing a lot of uh, as i said in the sort of intro is this uh this classic the story of the three coins yeah um i i you know i spend 29 hours a day with my kid and he loves it. It's it's something we do almost daily. I don't think we've missed a day in a while. And it's super fun to see him engaged and, you know, flipping cards and telling stories. And for me, that's been that's been on my brain uh, up and until I will say up and until we played the crew, which obviously is going to get its own segment. But um, but yeah, that's that's what's been on my brain is just watching my son's imagination sort of flourish with this this little aid of these cards on this on this little game board. It's pretty and, cool. And for me, um, I got so I got a lot of games over Christmas. I didn't I haven't taken any pictures of them, but I probably should. But one of the games I got was Versailles 1919. And I am uh, I haven't played it yet. I am reading the rules and it is completely occupying my mind. I love it. So it is it is a essentially a war game adjacent game. And I like war okay. game adjacent games when they work, right? When they work. 
they have the complexity and depth and history of a war game, um, but they're just more playable in a in a reasonable amount of time. This, of course, is about the negotiations to end the Great War, to end World War One, and it is absolutely one of the more fascinating pieces of history that is that is out there right now. For the longest time, there were a couple historians it really was just like a couple that some that that summed up the the Versailles uh, negotiations and the Treaty of Versailles and said that it was cruel to Germany that it was uh, that the the western powers were were taking their pound of flesh from them and drove them into despair and poverty, and from that roots came the Second World War. Right there's a there's a whole another mm-hmm. World War with the exact same parties involved. You know, just just twenty years later, and it was because of how rough and horrible uh, this treaty was. And then over the last, uh, I would say the, the last. 30, 40 years, there have been a lot more people looking at that, and they've come to some very, very different conclusions. So the assumption that I had, you know, you know, growing up, that, oh, yeah, the, the Treaty of Versailles was too rough on the Germans. Now people are like, no, it's, no it wasn't. Not at all. No, 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 no. Here's the problems right. that, that existed, right? You can't, right? What it really was is it really was an excuse, you know, saying that uh, the, the problem wasn't, it wasn't Germany, it was this or it was that. And there's such a cast of characters, right? There's Woodrow Wilson, who is one of our most racist presidents in history, a real a real horror show in a lot of ways, and yet came into this negotiation as though he were riding in on a white horse with with these uh, essentially points of light where he was saying, oh, any agreement must be this, and it must be this, and it must be this. And these nations that had be, been in this war for years and years and had lost huge percentages of their population and saw the, the land of Europe ripped apart and destroyed in a way that they had never seen before were like, who the heck is this guy coming in and telling us what we got to do? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, France and Germany both just at each other's throats, England uh, right in the mix there. Everybody wanting this war to be over, but everybody had lost so much that they couldn't walk away with a deal that felt like it was all for nothing. Yeah. Which, yeah. And to put a game in that context, right? To put a game where you are making moves and 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 trying to negotiate this in your favor or that in your favor, and there are so many areas and so many issues – it looks like an amazing game, and I can't wait to get it to the table. That is the the thing that is that is most on my brain right now. I'm well, at- you've won me over, and I'm not usually into games like that, but just hearing you talk about it, it's got my life, my fire lit on it for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I love a game when when you play it, it makes you want to immediately buy five books on the topic. Twilight, yeah, Twilight totally. Struggle was that way for me. Totally. I, you know, I was like, oh, my, I have to know, you know, I, I keep playing this card. I don't know that much about the, you know, uh, about uh, liberation theology. I want to know more about that. And uh, that's awesome. Great games do do that very, very well. Um, let's move on to a review, shall we? 
Here is the tale of the tape. The Crew came out in 2019, though it did not make it to our shores. The English language version did not really come out until 2020. And the designer is Thomas Singh. The artist is Marco Armbruster. And it is put out by Cosmos for most people. Um, the full title is The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. Jake, tell us about this game. What are we doing in this game? Yeah, this this is a fantastic game. So this is essentially a cooperative trick-taking game. Um, and it really is, you're working together to make sure certain players on your team get certain tricks, as opposed to always trying to get it yourself, for example. And it becomes extremely complex as the conditions for how the tricks are taken, what order they're taken in, and by whom they can be taken. Um, Get, get very intricate so that you really have to work together with your other teammates. However, the sort of MacGuffin here is you can't really discuss anything at all. Your, your, your communication is limited to really one piece of information per turn per person. And we, we can get into the specifics as, as Tom goes over the actual play, but you're, you're limited to this one piece of information each. And based on that and also previous plays you start to make manipulations of the cards that you play so that each trick goes to where it's supposed to go. Yeah, very good. Very well done. And it's all set within a uh, a world in which we are all crew members on a uh, starship. On a spaceship, yeah, right. a starship, yeah. I'm trying to work together. Although, I'll, I'll be honest with you, of all the games I've ever loved, this is the one where the skin matters the least to me. It does. Like, it's it's it super really thin, right? is erroneous. Uh, it's cool. It's fine. I love you know the idea is cool, but you don't need it, and <laughs> and I'm usually someone who needs it. You know what I mean to get into it. But this yeah. one is so well designed and so simple that you could just do it with you know the color coded cards. It doesn't need a little narrative for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Though I will say that in our in our last play, it was rather fun when we did poorly. Uh, we would demote <laughs> people. We we had ranks. Everybody started off with a certain yeah. rank, and people would get demoted. Like, well, cl- clearly, clearly, Lieutenant, yes. uh, you're ensign. You're ensign now, it's or sh- shipman. The color commentary definitely enlightened. I think at <laughs> one point I made such a blunder that I ended up being like someone in the brig. I wasn't even on the crew anymore. <laughs> oh, it's it, it's it's too funny. It really is good. It's an extremely enjoyable game, and. Uh, Something to, I'm sure, Tom, you'll get into the, the specifics of the of the play and the turn taking and all that. Sure. But something that you said when we played uh, on Game Night really stuck out, which is that uh, of other cooperative games, this is the one that really feels like you can get better as a team the more you play. It yeah. doesn't restart from zero. You know what I mean? Exactly. I and think that that's... stuck with me. I think that's 100% accurate. Yeah, I, I, because there's a communication um, uh, problem, right? And you have the, that you can actually learn how to to talk to your crew with this yeah. limited amount of information yeah. that you have, and you can feel the team getting better, uh, yeah. which, which isn't always the the way, right? Uh, listen, a lot. Oh no, of, no, for sure. A lot of cooperative games, the problem is the alpha player problem. The alpha player problem, yeah. basically, being. We're all working together. One person can say, okay, you should do this and you should do that. And then this other guy, you should do this third thing. And essentially, there's one person playing the game at that point. Yeah. Once you have... No, this is a truly cooperative game. No no joke. Yeah, because you cannot do that. Because there's only a tiny little piece of information that you're allowed to communicate and the rest you can't. So, in some ways, this might be one of the ultimate... 
um, gateway games for people because absolutely pe- because everybody knows how to play card games. Virtually everybody knows trick taking games, right? I mean, yep. hearts, yep. Well, one spades, form or another. There's so many. There's there's so many of them, right? And essentially, that's all this is. The difference being that most trick taking games are competitive, and this one is collaborative. This one is mm-hmm. uh, we are we are uh, cooperative. We are working together to do the same thing. Now, how does that work? Do you want to maybe? I was going to say, do you want to like give us an example of of a turn? Because I'm absolutely I'm absolutely going to do that. That's exactly right, where, I'm, where I'm going here. So. In a game like uh, Teach You, you are trying to get as many point cards as you can, the tens, the fives, um, and, and so on and so forth in a given round. Or you're trying to go out first, be the first person without cards in Teach You. Mm-hmm. That is another way to to potentially score a lot of points. Um, in games like Hearts, it's it, and so on and so forth, there are, de- there are definitely points to be scored, but there's also... Uh, uh, some of that going on in this game uh, because it is cooperative and no one is trying to get out before each other and there is no such thing as if I get points that they're not shared with the team in this one there are conditions that are that are flipped up each round and uh, not not flipped up but actually what you're doing is you're going through a series of missions in the game book the game book has I believe 50 missions for you to play uh, plus, I think ten that are the training missions, or maybe it's yep. fifty all total, including that. And they start off really, really simple. Like the first mission, all that happens is is that the captain for this team, and the captain is whoever has the four rocket, so that's the highest trump card in the game. Whoever has right. well, the that, only trump cards in the game, right? It's correct. just those four color suits, and then the the rocket suit. Four rockets, exactly, yes, but the highest of the rockets. And when you have that card, it means that I am going to be playing the first card in the game. And Mm -hmm. it also means that I am going to have the first pick of the objective cards that are out in front of us, or the objectives that are are in front of us. So in our case, it was um, the two, the purple, let's say the blue two. So the blue two comes in front of me, and all that means is that in order for us to win this round, all we have to do is make sure that I win the trick that has the blue two in it. That's it. Exactly. That's it. That's it. That's now, it. If I have the blue nine, because each each suit of four colored suits has cards numbered from one to nine, and then mm-hmm. there is a fifth suit, which, as Jake mentioned, is the Trump suit, which is yep. uh, rockets, rockets. And there's one, two, three, and four in rockets, and that's it. So it's just yep. a very small suit. If I have the nine of uh, of blue, I could lead the nine blue. And then if somebody else has the two blue, they can throw out the two blue because you always have to follow the color if you can. They could throw right. out the two and blue. And as in other Trump games, the highest card takes the trick. Correct. I take the trick. Guess what? One hand, and that's over, right? That's what it's yeah, ultra. It, we had many simple. turns where we didn't play all our cards because we didn't need to. Exactly. But then it starts getting more complicated. Suddenly we have two objectives, three objectives. I have to choose only one of these three objectives. What if all three of the objectives in one case were yellow? And I, and I have to go first, and I only have one yellow card. I have a yellow four, like right in the middle, nothing good to, to come of this. And I have to pick a yellow objective? What am I going to do? How am I possibly go? How are we going to win this? 
Well, yeah, the manipulation of the cards becomes much more intricate. Right. And so like many other card games, what am I going to try to do? I'm going to try and figure out a different way to to meet these uh, to meet these conditions and to and to win the game. Uh, it's very fascinating. There are other things that can happen in the game for instance and now let's talk about communication because yes i'm we're allowed to communicate in that case when i have a yellow four and i have to choose a one of these three yellow conditions to win so i have to win with the yellow four what i can do is before we play around i can say i'm going to communicate and i take that card out of my hand i put it down on the table and show for, everybody uh, face up for everyone face to see, up yeah. for everybody to say so everybody can see the yellow four is out there and then I have a communication token and with that communication token I can put it one of three places only I can put it at the top of the card which says the which tells everyone that the four is my highest yellow card I could put it at the bottom which mm-hmm. says the four is my lowest yellow card or I can mm-hmm. put it dead center which tells everyone the four is my only yellow card. Exactly right. And can I just jump in with one more blip that I'm sure you would have got to, which is if you don't have the color card that the the, the trick is is led with, you can put out any card you want. And this often comes in as a way to manipulate the direction of the flow of the cards. Exactly right. Exactly right. So with that information, though, it's surprising how much you can communicate to somebody, right? You can communicate a ton Absolutely. of information when they need to know. So when I put out the four and I put it in the center, my communication token in the center, I'm telling everyone, hey, everybody, we're in trouble here. Tom only has one yellow card, and it's the four. Yeah. And he just took the yellow one as his uh, as his win condition, right? So. Yep. We have to try and play, if at all possible, to make sure that Tom is going to be able to get that uh, get that yellow that one. Card. So we all have yeah. to play play low for the first round. It and it also tells other people some other things. Like it tells people, okay, that means the rest of the other three players or the other you could play from two to five players for this game. I recommend three and four players. It plays best at four. It also plays pretty good at three. Um, I've played three and four, and I I thought four was. I mean, I loved three, and then when we all played as four, it was way better. Yes. way better. Yes, five is probably too much. There's a little too much uh, randomness and craziness mm-hmm. that happens. Four is the sweet spot. I think that is absolutely true. Um, yeah, there are other conditions that can come up. So one mission says somebody is sick. So ask. So the person who's leading, who's going to be the first person, has to ask everybody, are you feeling sick or are you feeling well? And everybody looks at their hand and see, sees if they've got a bad hand of cards or if they have a good hand of cards, right? Or do they have mostly high cards? And, mostly and what cards? does being sick actually mean, trick-taking-wise? It means that you must end the round taking no tricks. Exactly. <laughs> Which is great, yeah, it's, right? It's really clever the way they delineate different win conditions. I mean, even just that there are an order. Sometimes if you have like, let's say three players each have a win condition, they, they'll show you which one has to go first. And that can really throw a wrench into things if, if you have the wrong cards. You have to really think carefully about how to manipulate who goes in which order. That's it's right. Extremely fun. Sometimes a card is uh, is said that okay, this victory condition must be met last. This one must yeah. be met first. Sometimes 
these can be in any order in comparison to the other ones, but yes. this one has to happen before this one happens. There are yes. communication difficulties where all of a sudden everybody has to flip their, their communication token over to the red side. And what that means is you can put out a card for everyone to see and you have to put the red token on it, but you can't indicate whether or not what you're telling people is that this is the highest or the lowest or the only. Or your only, yeah. You can't yeah. communicate You know, it's that. interesting because in our session, I don't think we encountered, I mean, we had some losses, but I don't think we encountered a scenario where mathematically it was an impossibility. Whereas when I played the first time with just three, we had that a couple of times. Granted, we made it up into the 30s of missions and they got really intricate and complex. And there was a couple of times where no matter how many times we parsed it over and over, there was no way. There was just like, and I think that's actually really interesting that they would create a, a mathematical you know, problem that couldn't be solved. Like you're just, you're screwed. There's no way to, to work around that win condition. I, I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's usually possible. I don't I think it's always possible. Sometimes you will mess up. And when you mess up, guess what? You just do the same mission again. You shuffle up the cards and deal them out yeah, and, you, oh, and you try again. And I, I think with the, the play that we just did most recently, I think we did 20 missions Oh, no, we did 10 missions, and mm -hmm. we played a total of 19 hands or something like that. So yep, that it took right. us almost two, two, two missions per, per mission to get it right. Is that good? Yeah, Is that bad? Yeah, but a bad? couple of those, eh, it was average. I mean, literally <laughs> average. But um, I think a couple of those were like literally just silly blunders. I know me and Paul both pushed the wrong button on the on the computer at one point, and yeah. that cost us a, a round. Yeah. Um, and so you know that that's bound to happen, I suppose. But and every um, every every single okay. one of us, it was you, me, Paul, and Ben, and everybody yeah. messed up at least once. So yeah, that's going to happen, right? That's 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 yeah. just the the way things. are I made go. a I made a really silly mistake that um, I you know when there was it was one of the rounds where there was multiple win conditions and we each had to choose one, and I saw that the card um, available was a card that I had, but it was such a low card mm -hmm. that I did the inverse and I took that. In, as a like, I just thought, oh, I have that. I'll take that, which is exactly <laughs> opposite. Since you can't win with a low card, and uh, it was pretty funny slash embarrassing slash funny. Uh, if you know card games, you understand this game in a heartbeat. Because it's, it, as far as as far as trick taking games goes, it's really quite simple. There's it no, is, and you it don't builds have to on the that, shoulders of every other trick-taking game yeah. that you've ever played. You don't have to know that, oh, these cards are worth five points and these cards are worth ten points. And, and if you shoot the moon, nope. the queen is worth, right? You don't need any of that. Nope, none of that, none of that. It is simply each and every round, here is our mission. Our mission is for uh, us to meet these three conditions – this person is going to have to get the, the the red eight. This person is going to have to get the yellow three. Mm -hmm. And this person has to get the green two. But the green two has to be last, right? You can't get that before the other ones are gotten and so on and so forth. Yeah. Very. It was pretty cool. And I liked how even though each person can only indicate one piece of information, how much it amplifies and multiplies when two people give uh, uh, some information. All of a sudden, it's not just two pieces of information. Like it really builds yeah. an idea of what needs to happen with one thing each. I, I was impressed by that. Deciding when to – and by the way, in some missions, it'll say there is a you're, – you're passing through an asteroid belt. 
and communication is going to be cut off for the first three rounds of the game. So you have to go through three entire turns before anybody can put out any information. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. Will, will happen, right? Sometimes you'll have yeah. missions in which one person has to try and win, you know, a lot of tricks, right? They all yeah. of a sudden, instead of instead of each person having one goal, one person has to have all of the goals. That uh, sure, and, and knowing when to communicate is as much a piece of information as what you communicate, because as your hand shifts around and changes as you play cards, it changes what you need to say. Yes, you know, if I have two two left of a suit of a color. And what I really want to say is I only have one left. Well, obviously, I have to play one of those before I can say that. So that that, that was another interesting piece of it. I, I really yeah. appreciated. Paul, I think, was was the one that did that the best. There was a moment when he had to wait a certain amount of turns before he could say something. But once he said it, it made everything perfectly clear for me. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, yeah, and you are forbidden from uh, from creating your own way of communicating. You must <laughs> like communicate wink, wink, within the rules of the game. Pull my earlobe. <laughs> <laughs> well... No, for instance, if if I have the eight, seven, five, and three of of yellow, mm-hmm. I cannot communicate anything with the five because it's not the highest, it's not the lowest, and it's not the only. Yeah. So I correct. can't communicate that in any way. The game won't even let you put it out there and let yeah, people come up with their own. That. That's right. That's uh, their, a good note. Their own rule. Uh, which is interesting. However, what that does mean is, okay, so let's talk about the the pros and the cons, right? Uh, I think that this is a great, great game to bring people into the hobby. I think it is an amazing game. And here are some of the the advantages. First, very fast. Very fast game. A round of the game can take a minute. It can take three minutes, maybe five minutes is the absolute most a single round will ever take if everybody is super, super thinky. But it it goes very, very quickly. Second thing, cooperative. People, nobody loses. Everybody feels good when you you successfully do it. And everybody, everybody commiserates with how they could have done better when they don't. But for the most part, it is a feel-good game because you are getting better and you're working together. And you feel like a crew. You really do feel like a crew. You do. You uh, do. Number three, super easy to learn. Oh, absolutely. Takes I'd give it a 10. Three, I'd give it a 10 out of 10 as easy to learn. Three-minute teach, right? That's basically yeah, it. Yeah, if that. If that. Right. Uh, number four, it is familiar. Trick-taking games, card games. People know it. People can can do it. Uh, obj- advantage number five, it's portable, super small box. Just carry it around with you, take it with you wherever you go, you know, play yeah, it on pic- cards, play it on picnic tables and so on and so forth. Right. All of these things really, and, and uh, advantage number six is it, it gives good feels. It is fun. It, when you, yeah. when you mess up, everyone's like, ah, what did you do? Why? Why did you kill us all? Right when you succeed, it's like, yeah, dude, that was an amazing play. When you communicated that thing later on, and I finally got it, I put it together. Um, yeah, number seven, it's got a deduction aspect to it, where you have to figure out what is this person telling me, and 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 the the, the satisfy uh, deduction can be a tremendously satisfying experience to have, right? Because it makes you feel good that you figured out a puzzle in your own mind, and that you helped the entire team. All of Absolutely. those huge, huge pluses. There are a few minuses, though, right? So minus number one, 
is that everything I'm describing is kind of almost like a party game, right? Super easy to understand. Everybody's sort of playing together. You're mostly playing for fun and you're playing for a mutual challenge, but nobody's playing to win, right? All of that sounds a lot like a, a party game in a lot of ways, right? The problem is, is that communication in this game is restricted. You are not supposed to talk in the game. You are not supposed to talk in any way. You're not supposed to be able to say, for instance, Jake would often say, uh, this is going to be a real hard one. Like, no, no, Jake, bad Jake. <laughs> That's why you were put in the brig. Because <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. Because that gives yeah. us a lot of information. That tells us a lot of things, right? Like all of a sudden we have, to, we have to watch out. Okay, so Jake's going to be a problem. We have to help out Jake. We shouldn't know that. We should not know that uh, going into it. And that could be a problem for people, right? I mean, it is it is yeah. hard to to not say anything and paradoxically is it a great experience when you're when you're playing a game and you're restricted from talking about the game that you're playing now you can talk about anything else but a lot of people can't multitask like that right you can't be talking yeah. about the, the you know about the weather or the potato salad or or this or, that or the other thing while you're playing a game which is actually quite challenging mentally yeah it is well we had an interesting discussion about our favorite cheeses at one point <laughs> so there you go <laughs> that's exactly what we did yeah we're like oh yeah. so we're playing online no, with I each hear other. You. it is weird as like a party game to ask people to sit down and just be quiet that that is a little weird yeah hanabi is the is a game that has a lot of similarities with this game and that is another game in which you're not allowed to talk really you, because yeah. anything you say can be giving away information that the the, the bubble of the game is broken right you're you're cheating by communicating almost yeah. almost anything you know what I'll say, though, that tempers that as a, as a problem for me is that I think it's kind of like a little bit of a, I mean, obviously it's a rule, but I think among a group of friends, they can kind of decide for themselves how much they want to sort of cheat in a way by talking. Because if it makes it a little more fun to just be like, oh, my God, this is going to be a hard one and that somehow gives information, maybe that's OK for that group. Maybe they're not going to play it perfectly the way it's meant to be played. And you can still enjoy it 100% the way it's meant to be, if you know what I mean. Right, right. I mean, the interesting thing about it is that if you're playing a game like Hearts or Spades, you're not communicating anything about your hand. You're, no. you're not doing that at all. But no. you're, not, you're not doing it because you don't want to – you want to beat the other players, right? Yeah. You don't want to give yeah, away yeah. any information. So it only becomes a problem – in a cooperative context, right? It yeah. only becomes a problem when you're all working together, which to me is actually a really nice thing about about the human condition. Like, sure, the well, moment, the whole thing turns into a spoiler alert, essentially. Yeah, the moment we're playing together, all of a sudden we want to talk about our hand and we want to talk about how this is. We we're desperate to help other people by letting them know where we're at. Yeah. Which well, is kinda, therein lies the rub. Which is kind of cool, right? Juxtaposition. Totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So in reality, if I'm playing if I'm playing hearts, I'm never talking about the game. I'm always talking about yeah. something other than the game if I'm having conversation. So why in this one context is it a problem? And yet it kind of is a problem. It's a little bit of it's not a big problem. It's not a problem for every group, but for some groups it's going to be a problem. When I play this with my family. There are certain family members, I'm not going to say who, <laughs> they cheat Good like man. the Dickens in this game. <laughs> they, yeah. they cannot. Well, okay, so really what you need is you need to understand that you all have to be on the same page with how much you want to cheat. 
That's really what has to happen. Because if one person wants it to be absolute silence and somebody is saying something like, that's the card you played, then, you know, then, then it's not going to be as fun. Yes, yes. There are, there, you know, and unfortunately, I, I ended up taking the, you know, I ended up being the, the, the ump. The umpire, the like stickler, stop yeah. that, stop that, <laughs> don't yeah. do that. You shut your you mouth. You can't do that. Talking to me. Well, because it, listen, at a certain oh, it point, it. I get it. At a certain point, the cheating breaks the game, right? All of a sudden, it, absolutely, it, you can push it to a place where even, then you're not really playing, right? Why even play? We're yeah. going to win yeah. every time if we keep doing this, right? There Correct. is, there is no challenge to it, right? It's, Correct. So no, you're right. There, there is that. Um, <laughs> Good job not naming any names, by the way. Well, you know, we we try. Hey, snitches get stitches. Snitches. The national no snitching policy is still <laughs> still very much in effect. We must Absolutely. Keep that in mind. Great game. I I love this game, and I loved playing it with you. And I hope we can play it again soon. Like that's one that I would literally be like, "Hey, who's got time? Let's jump in and play that one." Yeah, and, and for me, it is there are games that are that are good gateway games that are kind of problematic for really experienced gamers to play right that's kind of like oh, sure i'm stepping down to play this game this 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 sort of simple game that i know you're gonna like but i'm not really gonna like it that much this is one of those few games that that can really be something where i'm playing it with a bunch of of newer players they're mm-hmm. loving it and i'm still loving it because it, yeah. it it is, and that's a special that's a special special place. Absolutely, no, it was good. I, I literally I give it a ten. I think for me, yeah. that's on my list of like favorite games. By the way, incredibly expandable. People have put out their own missions for the for the game. There are all sorts of missions that are available, which have just you know basically just different card combinations and different rule combinations uh, that sure. make the game uh, eminently replayable. And uh, yeah. you should definitely check it out. We, you know, Jake and I could not more highly recommend the crew. Absolutely, you probably heard us a, a bunch of people talking uh, about the crew this year. Uh, this is why it really is amazing. Let's get Absolutely. to our member-specific segments. Everything party games. Jake, hey. why don't you when you, when you start off, tell us tell us the joys of the party game. What's 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 so great about party games? Well, party games uh, can fill the unknown dead space of like, what's a group of people going to do when we all get together and sit around and there's nothing to do. I mean, you know, I I don't know how (laughs) many times I've gone to a party and like, you know, eight to 10 adults sit down and discuss something. Like, I don't think I've ever done that. So it's nice to be able to get together with friends and have fun. And it gives you something to do, something that you can all enjoy. Yeah. Game night, party night, the party game nights, I have I I walk into one of those environments and people are screaming and yelling and shouting and 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 there's just joy in the room. Yeah, and, yeah. No one no one has politics night. Like, hey, let's get together on Thursday and just talk about politics. Or anyway, <laughs> I don't go to that night. Maybe people do have that. But yeah. uh, no, party games are great. I mean, it brings people together. It, it lets people use their minds in ways they might not during the rest of the week and uh, either to flex their competition or flex their cooperation, which are both good things. And when we're talking outside of our hobby games, when we're talking about mass market games, they are the few games that adults still play. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. It's a way to get in touch with your child side and sit down with a board game and like have some fun that you might not otherwise do. So let's just get to definitions just a little bit. What makes Mm -hmm. for a great party game, Jake? What, What are the... I think a great party game is 
easy to learn, yep. um, easy to play, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. doesn't take too long. Yeah. Doesn't have, let's say, um, how do I want to phrase this? It doesn't make anybody feel terrible, if you know what I mean. Like, even when you lose, you're still laughing that you played. Yeah, I yeah, I I'm I'm gonna go a little different way with that one because I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think in some cases, party games can make people feel pretty pretty bad. Sometimes worse than other games because there's a whole bunch of people around and you just got slammed. <laughs> so, I guess. I guess maybe I'm always the optimist, but I, I like to think that people are getting together to play party games. Know it's for the fun of it. Yes, as I, opposed to like spending six hours on something that if you lose in the end, you're like, well, there went my day. I can't believe it. You right. know what I mean? No, a hundred percent. That, that, that's a different point. And that is fun is the most important thing. And that is absolutely, yeah, that is absolutely, absolutely well true said. in a party game. Uh, fun, fun yeah. is more important than balance competition. Anything else. Yeah. Fun is the most but it's easy thing. to remember. That's why you're together. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that, I think all of those things are true. The other thing I will say is that party games tend to be very, um, what would it be a conversational, personal? Um, they're very, they're they're very communicative. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not. You're not staring down at a board. You are looking people in the eye, and you are yeah. tr- trying to communicate with them. Right. I agree. I agree. Good. Good call. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, a party game, I guess, is is where uh, having fun is much more important than winning. Right. For sure. But. Everybody is trying to win, right? Invariably, there are some games. We'll, we'll get to a, a few of them. Where are people trying to win? Is there is the, is this an act? Is this actually a game? And the answer is kind of, but almost not. Right? Mm-hmm. That can sometimes be a party game. Uh, player interaction. I think that's the way to, to describe it. Right? Yeah. Good um, call. So let's talk about some taboo. Have, taboo. Taboo. Old old games. So we're going to talk old games first, right? These are okay. these are mass market games. Taboo is 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 a pretty simple game, right? Can you describe? Yeah. It? I mean, it's it's a word. You're trying to get someone to say a word, right? Correct. You're giving Correct. clues to get a word. If I'm not mistaken, Correct. Exactly. Right. one of my favorites. Yeah. But I but and, I think that's what that was. And you have a, a list of five words or so that you cannot say, trying to get that person to guess it. And And usually those words are very similar to the word. Like those would be the best clues. Those are absolutely the best clues. So much so that it is very difficult to, to, to guess it with, without that. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the gimmick of it is that there's a buzzer in the game, a loud, annoying buzzer. And the other team Mm -hmm. gets the buzzer and they get to hold it right next to you and they get to buzz it the moment you say any one of those those five words that you're not allowed to say. Right. Which, by the way, that's a communication limitation game. The crew Mm -hmm. is a communication limitation game. Lots and lots of these party games are based on communication limitations, and that's what makes things fun because you're trying to you're trying to communicate. Which, as we said, player interaction communication is a big part of these games, right? Um, Yeah. But but you can't you can't say it this this way. So you have to think around that. All right. Next up, Balderdash. Yes. Balderdash is another word game. And by the way, a lot of these games are based on public domain games that pre uh, that come before. Balderdash Mm. is based on the old game dictionary. Literally just 
dictionary. <laughs> what you would do is you would get the biggest, oldest OED, you know, the, the Oxford English Dictionary, and you would open it up, and you would find a word that you have never heard of. And you would name it, and you would yep. list it to everybody, and everybody would get a little slip of paper and a little pen, yep. and they would, they would spell out that word, and they would write their own fake definition of that word, and you, looking at the actual definition in the dictionary, would write the actual definition. You would shuffle them, you would fold them up, you would shuffle them up, then you would read them out to the group, and everybody would have to vote on which of which the, is the real which, definition. which is the real definition. Balderdash. Yeah, just, I like this one. This one's something I always liked. Right. Yeah. Yep. And yep. in Balderdash, you get a point for everybody who guesses your answer, your, your fake, fake answer, your fake yeah, answer. Right. <laughs> uh, you yeah. also get a point if you guess the correct answer, right? And yep. and uh, so on and so forth. Um, modern Balderdash has different categories um, of varying success. Let's say that <laughs> Balderdash yes, uh, has yes. the category. Uh, the the first category is the definition category, which I still think is the best. It's still it's still the best. Um, but they would have other categories like uh, initials, where they would give an acronym like. XL, you right. know, no SL. You got to say what you think they mean. Yeah, and you have to say this is the dif- this is what that represents exactly. Uh, there would be another one which is uh, strange laws where they would say in New Zealand it is illegal to mm-hmm. uh, you know to park your Whatever. you know uh, to take your ostrich and then dash and then you mm-hmm. have to fill it in and right you have to say what that uh, say what that is. Uh, Movies. There was a there was a movie one which would give you the title of some old, long forgotten, horrible, horrible movie. Almost always, right? Because uh, otherwise you would you would you would know it, and sure. you would have to say you have to the log just, line. the log line for it exactly, yeah. basically, or what yeah, yeah. or what is unique about it. And then there was another one where they would say famous people, and they, they would say or or uh, like uh, important people or whatever, and sure. they would give you the name of a person, and you would have to say what why that person is of some renown. And of course, yeah. it's never anybody of of uh, real renown otherwise you would know the name, right? Yeah, but, you absolutely. Know, you know, Giuseppe Tornatore, right? And you'd be like Giuseppe Tornatore. Well, I'm actually using the name of an actual famous person, but <laughs> let's let's say you never heard that name, right? Some people sure. would say, you know, the the it was the first pizza maker in the new world, right? Oh, okay, good. That makes sense, right? Or holds the record for the uh, for the most times jumped on a pogo stick, right? And everybody writes your own definition of it trying to get people to guess that. Um it's a game in which the best liar wins. <laughs> yeah, the most <laughs> if, creative liar. Well, we're the most convincing liar, really, right? Well, yeah, but what's the difference? Yeah. When we play this game, and we play it not infrequently, what ends up happening is we end up trying to say, all right, that's clearly Dimitri's answer. (laughs) Right. Right? Well, if you play with the same people long enough, you know which way people are going to lie. Well, except you think you do, right? And they say, oh, well, clearly that's Tom's answer, right? And mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes they're right, and sometimes they are not not at all right. Yeah. And they're the, the, and the actual answer is what they're doing. Uh, so, Balderdash, great game. Pictionary. Uh, right. why, don't, why don't you take Pictionary? Pictionary, classic. Not ever really one of my favorites, but uh, you know, you're, you're given a buzzword and you've got to draw it. Yep. Get people to guess. And that's it. it. It's yep. as simple as that. And if the, you're good at drawing, then you could do it every time. The phrase "baby fish mouth" is where this comes from, right? That's. Uh, I mean, when Harry it's, met Sally. it's for me. It was never super awesome because not everybody can draw the same. 
Well, yeah, but but being able to draw well wasn't necessarily the key to it, right? It's being able to communicate quickly is more the more the point. Yeah, sure. Which is also something I don't super love. I don't like to be <laughs> hurried. But that's me personally. Then there's trivial pursuit. I think we don't need to explain what that is. Everybody knows trivial pursuit. Yep was a phenomenon, by the way, was a Canadians uh, uh, developed it and put it out basically under their own auspices and in many ways created the the models by which our hobby now exists, where we don't need to go through one of the big three or four publishers. We can do this independently, sure. right? Uh, scattergories, um, catchphrase is another one. Catchphrase is mm-hmm. uh, a game where you have an actual device, and uh, you know, not that's dissimilar from taboo. Apples to apples is the newer game, but kind of plays almost like an old game in a lot of ways. Um, that's one of the ones where is it a game? Is apples to apples a game? The way it works is you get a hand of cards, and then a card of a different color is flipped out in the center, and it's going to say – it says something that will not relate to any cards anybody has. But you have to pick the card that you think comes the closest to matching that. Right for for lack of a yeah. better yeah, ex- yeah, yeah. explanation. No, that's that's right. The problem I, I only ever played it once. The so. problem in the game comes in the how do we judge, right? And the answer yeah. is is whoever flipped over the card gets to choose whoever you know whichever answer is right. And the problem is is that uh, in the playing of those cards, invariably people are saying, "Well, no, it's more like this," right? And you get to quickly understand, oh, this is your card and this is your card. And you have two points, one more point, and you win the game. I'm not going to pick yours. And all of a sudden, it becomes a, a, a weird sort of thing, right? It's not really a thing. Um, yep. Uh, let's pick a, a couple of other old ones that are real classics. Skull. Okay. Uh, or Skulls and Roses is another version of that right now. This is one of the oldest uh, uh, games around, actually. Variations of it go back a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is you have four coasters. Three of them have uh, skull. Uh, three of them have uh, flowers or something else. One of them has a skull, or three of them don't say anything, and one of them has a skull. You yep. are going to put one of them down in front of you, and then people are going to have to either put more down in front of them or bid. And what they're bidding yeah, is bidding game. Yep. how many of these can I flip up before I flip up the dreaded skull? Yep. Um. It's an interesting game. We played that one a lot as a little bit of a filler or like as waiting for someone to show up kind of game. Yes. My family plays this every time we all get together, right? And Yeah, I always remember liking it. Yeah, Paul and I are, you know, (laughs) nemeses. My kids are very good at the game. Um my, it's on my, my uh, honorable mention of uh, top five. It's, oh, really? Say it's my si- I think it's my six, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really. If, if only just because I have so many fond memories playing it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's let's talk about a couple other old games. Liar's Dice. Sure, yeah. And, uh, oh, right. Right? Great Li- game. Right. Yeah. A few dice and a solo cup, and all of a sudden you've got a you've got a game, right? If you, if, yep, absolutely. Uh, bluffing game, very much so. Hundred uh, percent. Very, very psychological game, right? It's very oh, yeah. much trying to figure out who you're going to go after, and and it's not so unlike Skull, really. 
I mean, the, the flower. It's similar, similar yeah. lines of thinking. About I think that's true. Opponents. I think that's true. Yeah. So it, these games, as opposed to being communication limitation games, these are who is lying to me and what are they lying yeah. about? Yeah. So Balderdash, Skull, Liar's Dice, and Werewolf. We should bring up Werewolf. Werewolf, you know. I you, never played it. I had, I, honestly, Tom, I had to Google it. I never played that game. You never played Werewolf? I don't think so. Oh my god, Jake, that's amazing. I know. Well, you played I know. you it's played crazy. Avalon many, many times and Avalon essentially is a derivation of of Werewolf. Well, there you go. Maybe that's why. Maybe our group loved Avalon so much that they never bought Werewolf out. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um I will say Werewolf is one of these games where you can reveal character like I've never seen before. I have right. a, a uh, uncle-in-law, my wife's uh, uncle uh marine from vietnam man of few words very uh his heart is never on his sleeve uh, you know he, yeah. he he is not going to tell you how he's feeling or anything like that he i got him in a game of werewolf and he came alive he was like screaming like no she's lying to you kill her we have to kill her right now come on i have never seen this guy uh, be like this ever and just completely came alive i noticed that this happens a lot with older people my parents also really into the game i think it's because back in the day a lot of a lot of people there were parlor games that people would play and they grew up playing parlor games and this is a parlor game very much uh you're right and that's kind of what they got into which was really kind of interesting um and then there's the new era of games, right? I'm just going to name a few. Like Just One is amazing. We're a really great game. Yep. Avalon Love it. A, 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 as an improvement on Werewolf because you don't get eliminated. Yep. Uh, Code Names, yep. right? Hugely successful game by, uh, yep. by uh, Vlada Chavadl. Uh Telestrations, which kind of uh, – that, that comes after a game called um, Eat Poop You Cat, which is the, the – <laughs> That, that's the public domain uh, party game yes. that people – just a piece of paper that you roll up as you keep going, right? Yep. Um, Dixit, uh, Time's Up, um, Wavelength, which is the brand new one that we've been talking about, Wits and Wagers, yep. which kind of takes Trivial Pursuit in a different direction. Um, and then some brand new ones like Throw Throw Burrito and nice. – um, uh, Neanderthal poetry, Neanderthal poetry essentially is taboo. It's a new version of taboo in which everything you say has to be a single syllable, right? Um, throw burrito. <laughs> throw throw burrito. Have you have you got it yet? Have you... I have. I played it. Oh, if you could call it playing. <laughs> it's just, I mean. It's giving your kid a chance to throw something at daddy and hit him in the face. Yeah. Yes, it is. Unless you're <laughs> playing with three adults and then it's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> Did you play? Who did you, play you play with three adults? I sure did. I, I played with uh, our good friend Matt and our friend Ollie and um, a couple others, and it was uh, it was not. I didn't like it. <laughs> I, it. I honestly, I'm not putting down a game people might like, but I thought it was the stupidest thing I ever seen. <laughs> it, it was it just is, like, are you kidding? Come on, really? Is this really what we're doing now? It is. It is. I, I'm guessing you it's, got hit by the burrito more than other people. I, I, first of all, I have no interest in hitting somebody with a burrito, and I absolutely don't want to be hit by a burrito. So, yeah, not for me. Oh, my not God. Not on my time. Oh, my mind. God. I will say this about the new versions of these games. A lot of them are 
derivations of older games and and a lot of them are really really good the new crop of party games have taken have taken older designs and just made them just sort of focused on what is what is the most fun thing about that and let's focus on that right it's really great let's go over our top five party games of all time first of all do you have uh, you have an honorable mention because i do too yeah, yeah, I do. What's your I honorable do. mention? My honorable mention, wait, let's see. One, two, three, four. It was Skull. Skull, wait. It was the... Skull, was, yes. It was the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the cards. Oh, yeah, no, no, over. Skull. That Fantastic one, That game. one, because I had so much, uh, I mean, we, we called it Arts or whatever it was called, Roses and Skulls. Skull, yeah, Skulls um, and Roses. was the version I got to play with you guys, but that was my, just because I had so much fun playing it. Absolutely. It's not brilliantly genius, and but it was super fun. That was my honorable mention. My honorable mention is Just One. Just One is an amazing game. The fact that it didn't make my top five just means that there are so many great games out there. But the yep. idea is a person picks a, a word that they can't see but everyone else can see, and everybody has to write just one word that combined together, looking at all of those yep. words, the person has to, to say that word or phrase. And the trick to it is if more than one person writes the same word, those words do not count and and the person doesn't get to see them. Wonderful. Just yep. amazing game. Yep. Never had a bad round of it. Played it with every type of group of people that you can imagine. Everybody loves it. Everybody absolutely loves it. All right. So absolutely. what is – so did, uh, do you have a number five? Is that correct? I do, yes. My number five was Balderdash. Oh, Balderdash. So good. So, so good. Good. So good. I just I like the idea of coming up with silly funny things that are not silly and funny enough <laughs> to be completely unbelievable. Yep. But also that you can make somebody laugh if they chose it. That that I loved. It's a writer's game. It's a it's it a sure game is. for word for 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 people who if you can take if you know your Latin roots, you can take a little bit of a Latin root of some word you've never That's heard before right. and you can riff off of that, you're off to the races. My number Absolutely. five is Wavelength. Wavelength is mm. that that fairly new game. As you can hear, I, I keep mentioning it in yep. uh, game night because I keep playing it. It is a wonderful game about nuance. It's about how close to this versus this is this. Can I come up with something that is, is going to get somebody to say between these two opposite ideas, this is 37% yeah. as opposed to 39%. I loved it. Ah. You know what? That was almost my honorable mention. Oh. But I think I've only played it like twice. Yeah. And it just didn't, it just, I haven't played it enough, but I loved it every time. The time I had the one that was people who can beat you up versus people you can beat up. Yeah. And I looked across the table at my friend Jim and I said, Jim. the discussion the which the humbling discussion of people talking about how out of shape i am and and talking about whether or not i could actually beat up my friend or whether or not he would beat me up the places that that conversation went and i just had to sit there and wait for them to put the dial somewhere just told me this is an amazing game that has so much depth to it so many amazing things I, i liked it a lot yeah yeah, it's amazing. What's your number four? Uh, number four was Liar's Dice. Liar's Dice is great. Just amazing game. Liar's I, Dice was my number four. Absolutely love it. I'll play it anytime. Uh, play my, it anytime. Played it with my dad growing up. Yeah. My number four yeah. is Wits and Wagers. Um, I loved Trivial Pursuit. I'm a trivia guy. I go to pub trivia games and things like that. Sure. I, I love trivia. And 
to have a trivia game in which you don't have to know the answer uh, to win the game is amazing. The idea in Wits and Wagers <laughs> is the questions are all unknowable. How yeah. many gallons of water are in a, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, right? Yeah. All of the answers are always a number, and the number is, right, how many states had uh, ratified the, uh, the 13th Amendment by 1960, right? Sure. The, the things, things like that, right? And you're like, you can't know the answer. You're never going to know the answer, but, but you can, can, you make, make can you make an educated guess, right? Yeah, right, right. So in right. terms of the swimming pool, it's like, okay, well, a gallon of water is this big and a pool is this big and, you know, and and, and somebody knows that, well, I know that that this size pool, like a kiddie pool, is this many gallons, right? And so, oh, wow, yeah. they have a much better point of reference, right? And sure. you are writing down the answers and then the answers are all flipped up and they're all put on a betting grid. The person with the answer in the middle of these uh, of the string of numbers, right, is pays 1 to 1. The people at the extremes sure. pay 5 to 1. And then you're betting, you're betting your money. But you're not just betting your money on the odds, you're betting your money on the people, right? It's like who yeah. who is going to have a better guess, sure. right? Exactly. Sure. Where where are you at? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant game. Uh, it, it really, really works well. Dominic Krapachets did an amazing job in designing it. What is your number three, Jake? Three was just one. Just one. There, just we mentioned. there we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I've also only played that one a few times, but I liked it so much it made it up onto that spot. <laughs> like it just it just clicked immediately. And I, I, I think I was the one that was like, we don't have to move on to the real game tonight. We can just play this the whole time. <laughs> Totally. Like, this doesn't have to be a filler for me, but you know, I'll say that 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 uh, our game nights, my game nights, uh, and I, and and Maddie's as well, are a little. I don't see this in a lot of other game nights. When I've been to other people's game nights, they general like party games generally are not brought out. So yeah. I I like the fact that that we still play party games. I like I I like and my favorite night is to play a good heavy crunchy game and on either side of it to play a a fun game as well. And my ideal it. night is start with Avalon, play a play a good heavy game and then end with a party game. I uh, that's that's kind of I hear you. That's that's the three. Well, we've we've done that many times. By yeah, the way. <laughs> that's the three course meal. That's the best. Yep. Uh, my yep. number three is telestrations. I have had yep. such good experiences with telestrations. Uh, the idea is it's telephone with pictures. Basically, somebody is going to and by the way, barely a game. It is barely a game. You are right. going to get a everybody gets a word or phrase or, or or expression or something along those lines. They have to draw a picture. And then they flip that picture over and they pass it over to the next person. The next person looks at the picture and they write what they think that phrase or expression was. Mm -hmm. Then they flip that over and pass it to the next person. The next person does not see the original phrase or the original picture. They just see the phrase that that person guessed. What and they, they got. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so on and so cover. forth. Until it comes, until it comes back around. Eat poop, you cat was the original uh, game of that. It's the public domain. Just people came up with it, and yep. the reason that it's called Eat Poop, You Cat is somebody started with something like Catwoman, and before you know it, you know, five people later, Eat Poop, You Cat is what we guessed that that expression yep. was. Yep, They're yep, yep. 
the reveal think, of the uh, progression of how the word has degraded. And occasionally, every once in a while, you get one of these amazing things where it goes so horribly awry and then somehow comes back and the last answer is the same as the first, uh, as the first response. Amazing. Astonishing. I think that might have made my list if I had ever had a chance to play it, but we just it never brought it up. Really? Oh, I'll bring it out for you uh, when, when we're right. back to playing together. Uh, but I could see having a lot of fun with that one. You would love it. You would love it. What's your number two? Codenames. Oh, so good. So I just, It just good. clicked with me, and that's another one that I could say, like, we do not need to move on to something heavy. I would do this all <laughs> night. Yeah, Codenames is absolutely amazing. It's just great. To it's me, it's great. not in my list because even though it is kind of a party game, it's kind of not a party game. Like, for me, the party games are ones that can be played by large groups of people, and, and Codenames no, pretty much is, is a four-person four-person affair for the most part. You That's fair. play it with more, but yeah. But uh, no question about it that it's it's an amazing, amazing game. Uh, yep. You can play Codenames Pictures with kids. It is sure, yeah. not, not quite as good as the original Codenames. The great thing about Codenames is, is that the words that are out there have multiple meanings and a lot of nuance to them. So it's a really good word game in, in a lot of Absolutely. ways. Absolutely. Uh, my number two is Time's Up. And in particular, Time's Up title recall. Um, interesting uh, fact that um, Seth Jaffe, uh, the, one of the founders of uh, Tasty Minstrel Games, uh, complained to me and said, Time's Up title recall is the worst Time's Up. All of the other Time's Ups are better. The original Time's Up is uh, basically just the game Celebrity, public game Celebrity, where mm. you would, everybody would write down the name of a famous person, fold them up, and then teams of two would get these, and they would have to get the other person to guess the person that they're talking about as quickly yeah. as they can and go through as many as you can. Uh, yep. And Time's Up was just a game in which they, those cards were all there, except that the game had three rounds. Round one, you can say anything you want. You can talk about it as long as you don't say, like, like if I have Leonardo da Vinci, I can say, okay, Renaissance guy, he made that, uh, he, he made sure. that bicycle with the, with the wings, right? Yeah. Pa- painted the Mona Lisa, right? You know, all that sort of stuff. Shares the same name with DiCaprio, right? And so you can say all of that. And then the person, yeah. oh, Leonardo da Vinci, right, good. Then you go on to the next one and so on and so forth. Second round, you use the exact same cards, Shuffle them up, yeah. deal them out to people. Yeah, yeah. Same deck of cards. You can only use one word. So it becomes a memory game. Like, oh, right. what is that, right? Right, based on from before. Right, so Mona. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonardo, DiCap- uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 boom. Right. And so on and so forth. Third round, gestures only, no words. Just charades. Right? Yeah, just so, charades. Which is and it's amazing that it actually works because you can get people to do that. Now, Seth Jaffe's issue with Title Recall is that if you have Gilligan's Island, you can just hum the tune to Gilligan's Island and make it through all three rounds, right? And all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah, but this it, one this one tweaks it. I, I could see, you know, Charades and was never my super favorite, but I could see this being fun. Uh, it, it's astonishing. Because it's teams, the team aspect yeah. of it makes it amazing. You're trying to, to work together and... You're, and the fact that it's against the clock, right? Sure. You've got one minute to get as many of these as you can. There is an energy, an excitement, a, a uh, uh, it's, it's it's electric. When the game is going well, it's absolutely electric. I've, I've done it um, at, uh, you know, like Christian conferences and stuff like that with, the, with, yeah. with the church members and these old sure. stodgy church members who we've just spent all day, I'm just 
bored out of my mind in these meetings and stuff like that. We get together and we start playing this game and people are just screaming and yelling and shouting and just having a, an amazing time. It's it's incredible. Uh, yeah. I think we're down to number one. Here we should, go. Should we say our number one at the same time? Or no? Oh, you, uh, well, we're different. Oh, we're we're definitely different. What's your number okay. one party game of all time? Avalon. Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't put this down because it's almost not a party game. But yes, Avalon is astonishing. It, 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 by the way, of all the games on the list, Avalon is my number one game, period. But for me, it doesn't quite make the party game thing uh, because... Matty gets so sad and so morose <laughs> and, and depressed when he's oh, playing it that Matty. it, it kind of leaves party mode and it becomes just sort of more, it's more of a torture party game. So mm-hmm. it's like a little, little thing, but yeah. What, what more can we say about Avalon? My number one was your number five, Balderdash. Oh, nice. For me is the, it's, it's and by the way, really kind of the only old school game. All of the other ones are, are newer school, even though yeah, some of them are that's just, true. they're just variations of public domain games that have been around forever. But nonetheless, the only old school game is Balderdash. I think it is, and by the way, let me think, Balderdash is Dictionary, Time's Up is Celebrities, Telestrations is Eat Poop You Cat. So the my three, two, and one are all public domain games that have just been re, that, that have just been rebranded and and put together. In Somebody a good, made a buck on in them. a good yep. fashion, but but Balderdash, when it when it works, like I love I love it's it's a horrible thing about me, but I love fooling people. I love. <laughs> There is nothing better than seeing somebody debating these five different definitions of this word and saying, look, nobody would have nobody would have just come up with this. Obviously, that's the real answer, right? And no, I right. came up with it. Right, oh, right. No, I got you. I suckered you in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible thing Funny. about me, but it's it's one of my favorite things in in the world. A good game yeah. of Balderdash. And 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 I, and when I don't win Balderdash, I love it too because I love Dimitri is very good at it. Paul is very good. We have a lot of really experienced liars in our group that are just wonderful at coming up with these just really off base things and yet that believable. you would, that you yeah that you would think like nobody would have ever written that or well yeah. I'm pretty sure I've heard of this word before and I think that's the actual definition. Nope, nope. Paul just came up with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get a Balderdash night. Totally. Let's get that together. Hundred. I'm in. Hundred percent. I think we have time for a game sommelier. Would uh, Would you yeah, like let's to, do one. to do a? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do one. Let's let's, let's do a little game want, sommelier, right? Right. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with mama, madame, abu. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. To make an impression, but I can't get far as my 50th player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master, the game sommelier. Now, normally, this is when I would fade the smooth jam out, but because Maddie cut it off so abruptly last week, <laughs> like, really hard. <laughs> it was just, it was, it hurt my heart. To hear that, oh, I mean, I whoever that. whoever that French guy is, uh, Jacques somebody, but uh, you know he's, he speaks English well for a Frenchman. I'll say. Well, you know, I think he's been around. I think he he may be Quebecois, so all right, that could be what it is. Anyway, here we go. All right, uh, what do we ba- got? Basil Hack. 
did a question on Discord and said, got a question for the sommelier. I'm having a bit of Knizia moment. After becoming pretty obsessed with his recent tiling game, Babylon, this is Reiner Knizia, of course, uh, one of the most prolific designers in our hobby, I'm now working my way through the classic tile layers and card games and loving everything I'm seeing so far. There's something about his design choices that I really connect to. Simple rule sets, tough decisions, balancing multiple competing goals and risks, deep interaction with other players. It's made me curious about what other games or designers hit those same notes. So my question is, what are the best Knizia-like games made by other designers? Thank you. Jake, I don't know if you've got an answer for this one. This might, this, this doesn't I seem think like this might be one for you, my friend. Very well. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. This, you, is, this, is, not this a, is right in your wheelhouse. This is not a casual gamer answer here. Okay, so. No. Uh, first of all, uh, you're dead on right. The thing about Knizia is that it's simplicity, okay? He's got a PhD in mathematics. He is into the simplicity of the elegant mathematical construct. That's what his games all seem to center around. So let's talk about some of his greatest games. Auction games. He he came to be known as the king of the auction games. Raw, high society, modern art are absolutely amazing in their simplicity. They're super simple. Modern art, if I was teaching people, if I was getting people into the hobby and I wanted to get people into auction games, I would play modern art with them. First of all, amazing game, really a lot of fun. But also, it teaches you every kind of auction game. Virtually every kind of auction you're ever going to have is in modern art because the cards tell you, they all represent works of art, and they also tell you how they have to be auctioned. So there is an open bidding auction where you just auction the normal way. There's a once around where everybody only gets one bid, and if you get outbid, you're out. There's another one where where there's a bidding in the fist where it's, that's blind bidding. So virtually every type of auction game you're ever going to play, every type of auction mechanism you're ever going to play are all in this one game, which is fantastic. I would say that the designers that have done amazing jobs with the auction games that are that have relatively simple rules and are elegant and yet very player interactive, the estates. The estates is really brutal, but it is a Knizia style design. It it takes a very simple uh, concept. It adds just a couple other elements that make the math really really hard and does great. And I'm also going to say Richard Bree's Keyflower. Keyflower is a very simple game. I could teach that game to a person in a minute or two, and yet the the way the auctions happen, the way the the game unfolds is uh, is really amazing. I could see Knizia doing that. Next up, uh, Kenichi did spatial games, right? Through the Desert and Samurai are all putting pieces out on the board and the board slowly filling up and where you have placed your, your pieces radically changes your score. And when I think about games like that, I think of games like Bus, you know, one of the very first uh, uh, splatter games is, is a very spatial game and very low scoring, uh, kind of like uh, games like Samurai and that sort of stuff. I also think of Soul, uh, a, a very interesting game that we reviewed not too long ago, a space-themed game, uh, but very spatially oriented. You're trying to figure out how to use these limited resources and get them to deeper layers closer to the sun in the game in order to generate more energy and get more points. And last but not least, a game called Louis XIV, uh, which was a, a really quite an interesting game. The, we don't talk about it. We haven't talked about it in a long time. But Louis XIV, you're putting out influence, and there is a uh, sort of a map of, I believe, 
nine or twelve different important people in the in the uh, in the court of Louis the Fourteenth. And when I put influence, which is represented by these little colored barrels, on one person, I can then you use that as a leaping off point to put influence on an adjacent person and things like that. So a very interesting uh, system in that game. Um, Another thing he does a lot is scoring trickery. The game Samurai I just mentioned uh, has some really good, interesting scoring things where you are collecting points, basically. You're collecting three different types of objects. You're collecting the hi-hats, which are the military people. You're collecting the Buddhas, which are the... the um, the religious influence in the game, and you're collecting rice boxes, which are the uh, the farmers, right, the, the the working class, and you're getting influence in them. But the game is not whoever gets the most points in all of these three categories wins. It's whoever wins is the person that has the most of the least category that they have, essentially, right? So it's like you can you can win these two categories and still completely lose the game because it's what I remember it, liking that one, right? Brilliant. Gorgeous game, yeah. too, by the way. Absolutely stunning. A game that is that hits a lot of those same buttons is a card game called Arboretum. We've talked about it a lot. It is mm-hmm. a really mean card game. But in that game, um, you are getting points uh, based on what you lay out, but also you're getting minus points by cards other people have sometimes. So uh, it, it's a very interesting scoring mechanism that's like that as well. And then Can like, I say, Basil Hack, how lucky are you that you got Tom to like bust it down for you? Like, this is crazy. If I had somebody to answer questions that mattered to me the way he's answering your question, I think my life would be a lot better. So <laughs> you scored here, buddy. Uh, I'll just name two last games, which is just uh, games that are really simple at their core, but uh, play out in really wonderfully complex ways. Uh, Between Two Cities is a great play- game to play up to seven players. Really simple, very very much of Kinesia's style design. And Martin Wallace's Liberté, which is an area control game that I think uh, if if he was ever to, if Kinesia was ever to do some area control work, something like Liberté would be that. Thank you so much, Jacob. That's so nice of you to say. And thank I'm you. Saying. Thank you, Basil. Basil, that's a great question. I mean, as you could tell, I was thrilled by it. I'm like, oh, wow, who who designs <laughs> yeah. Knizia games that aren't Reiner Knizia? And I'm like, there actually well, we, are. I think There's... we've got really good listeners. Like, we never get a question and be like, I like games. What's a good game? <laughs> they, they, they come in pretty hard. So uh, good job. Good job. Uh, Jake, it is always a pleasure to to so talk to you. Fun. I miss you, man. I really miss I hanging out with you. I know. It's crazy. I, I, but you know what? I know this might be crazy, and it might be. I'm deluded, but it really kind of feels like we've got a light at the end of the tunnel. We I might. mean, we're days away from some big change, yeah. right? And yeah. who yeah. knows? Maybe we're only weeks and months away from some more big ones. I'm, yeah. My fingers are crossed, and I'm usually pretty cautiously optimistic, but I'm feeling pretty good. I, I feel like... It won't be too much longer until we can all get together and, and play these games again in person. I mean, you know, uh, listen, once the martial law has been ended, I think that's what you, <laughs> that's what you were talking yeah. about, the big change in a couple yeah. days, right? Yeah, yeah. Martial yeah, law yeah, declared. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, the, there is a little bit of a letdown. You know, 2021 rolls around and things haven't changed. Matter of fact, things are worse. Um, yeah. But, but I do feel like th- good stuff is around the corner, and I very much hope to be sharing that with all of you out there. So please, people, um, stay safe. Um, you know, yeah. Make make just hold make on a little bit choices. longer, guys. Hundred percent. It, it really is going to happen. And to all my other brain brain gamers, game brainers, I, I love you guys, and I miss you guys also. I can't wait for us all, all to get back together. 
A hundred percent. We have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Game Brain Pod. We have a Facebook group that is blowing up, a Discord channel, very, very active. Please get in more of those great game sommelier questions. We love answering them. And you've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. Or you can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com. Or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks so much for listening and go out and play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games.